Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today I am talking to Jamie Smith. She is the co-founder and chief experience officer over at Amplify Advisors. So welcome to the show today, Jamie. I'm glad to be here. So before we get into your business, which I'm just really excited to dig into the growth of your business and how you guys have achieved what you have achieved, because spoiler alert, there's some rapid growth that has occurred over the last five years for your business. And I think there's going to be even more rapid growth going forward because that's what you do. You help other people grow businesses. And so for those listening, get ready for that. But before we get into that, I want to understand from you and your experience being an entrepreneur now for five years, what are three things that you think every entrepreneur should know? Well, I'm glad that you're asking that question because the number of times you meet with people that are considering starting a new business and, and not always thinking about the good and the bad of it is, uh, is endless, right? So the three things I always tell people when I have a chance to go for coffee with someone about to make this big leap would be, one, I think it's really critical that you recognize that when you become an entrepreneur, you're essentially signing up to be a salesperson. And mm. I think when you're an early stage business, um, the ability to have a business that you're not proactively selling is just not the reality. You constantly have to be in the market promoting your brand, building your brand and selling your business. And that's not something that you can just hire out. You will not have a sales process. You will not have messaging. You will not have it figured out enough to lean on an employee. And so the best case scenario, if you really are allergic to sales, but still want to be an entrepreneur is, is partnering with the right person. That's a co-founder or a fellow owner of the business that might be a way of avoiding the sales job but you still end up having to represent your brand and represent the service and product that you're offering the market so if sales are something you hate i don't really know how you're going to be an entrepreneur and love your life i i think it's yeah. a it's a must in the early early years especially yeah the next thing it, i would especially i was just going to say i was just going to add to that especially if you're a service-based business which is what we do what you do as well offering services because in those situations you really are the the product in those early days right and so you have to be really great at representing yourself and and coming across um as being that ideal provider for whatever the pain is that uh, those companies are, are are facing or your ideal customer is facing, right? So, and I, I just, I have to say, I really love this one because in, uh, I don't know, we've been doing, this is like episode 220 something, I think. Um, and uh, I don't think anybody's actually ever zeroed in on that one uh, in particular. And uh, it is such a critical piece of the puzzle. So I love it. Thank you very much. It is. You're selling yourself also to those employees, those yeah. contractors, those vendors. Like it's not just the end customer or client. When you're an early stage business, nobody trusts you and nobody believes in you. So you're selling yourself constantly to every single stakeholder that is going to be involved. It's yeah. a constant part of the job. And if you hate that, I think it would be a miserable life being an entrepreneur. I just think you need to be prepared for it. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely be uncomfortable. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, so hit me sure. with number two. The next one I would mention is, you know, you really have to be comfortable with that MVP, that minimum viable product, because I have seen so many uh, hopeful entrepreneurs 
they end before they even start because they aim for perfection. And then by the time they go to the market with the product or service that they've created, they really have no ability to hear the feedback or to pivot or to consider what the market needs. And, and they also are broke, yeah. frankly, by the time they've created it and not had cash flow. Uh, it's just too late. And so the number of times that people are aiming for perfection and that kills the business at the early stages is just, it's countless. And I think that people need to be prepared to get uh, a minimum amount of compensation and to use your first clients and customers as an opportunity for feedback. And, and you need to be able to leave a penny on the table and you shouldn't if you make money off your first customers, you probably weren't um, taking the learning and the opportunities the right way. You shouldn't be making money. I don't believe in giving it for free either because then the feedback is not as valid because you know people don't want to insult you or offend you when they got something for nothing. Yeah. So some kind of compensation arrangement is required in order to truly get market feedback, but you shouldn't be making money off those first products or services, not if you're looking at it as the appropriate learning minimum viable product opportunity. And I think that's critical because yeah. perfectionism will kill an early business every time. It, and again, I really love the thoughtfulness that you have in this particular uh, response as well, because um, we've lived that as well. So I remember, uh, you know, anytime that we would introduce a new service uh, offering to our clients. So we didn't start out as a full service agency. We started out as a video uh, well, an animation production house, actually a production studio. And so then when we started to add some of the other services, um, that's exactly the route that we went where I was aiming for break even on those first initial contracts as we were trying to refine the systems and, and make sure that it was something that, you know, the market wanted a, uh, but that we could deliver on it too. And so, um, that was something where, you know, we entered into the new service offering, not with a, a bunch of hesitation that we wouldn't be able to do it. I was confident that we could do it. Um, but I wanted to get a couple under our belt before we really then went to market with it. So, so yeah, we lived that as well. And, and, uh, that's a really good point. And I never really thought about it actually in terms of the way that we've rolled out our products and we still continue to do that or our services. I mean, so yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we do. We do too. Absolutely. We still have that approach all the time. And, and we do find out that the market wants something slightly different or slightly um, surprising to what we anticipate. Even today, feeling that we know our market, we still yeah. get feedback that is surprising or interesting. It, it never really ends because the market's constantly evolving and changing. Yeah, yeah. And because we, we're learning a lot as we're going through that, there's so much value to us. And then also we're slower at the delivery typically of some of those services at the beginning. And so it just makes sense for us to be discounting it in my mind. It's a, it's a values thing, I think, which I think it sounds like you guys share very much as well. Yeah, okay, so Absolutely. number three. Yeah. And then the third one is, you know, looking at that optimization and, and being creative in terms of that revenue cash flow. I think it's really critical to think about your pricing and your revenue and your cash flow early on and be creative so that you are setting up terms and conditions or um, quality standards if it's a product that that makes sense from an actual ins and outs of cash. And I think mm. that a lot of businesses don't think about 
those um, the components of like the client experience and the client's perception, but also what it's going to do to your actual wallet and your economic business model. And I think you need to outline that and really think about it ahead of time because there's a lot of opportunity to differentiate and to give more to your customer and your client while also mitigating your risks and setting yourself up for success. And I think one of the great examples that I was told before we launched Amplify was to look at retainer-based billing, for example. And so we've always had retainer-based billing and it makes a big difference in terms of commitment of service, commitment of time, and obviously cash flow and collections. And so that was a small example of optimization that a friend of mine who's a consultant recommended and it and it makes a big big difference and so i think regardless of what service or what product you have stepping back and thinking about what can i give to the market and where's the give and take and how how does that affect the experience of the customer but also my actual economics and yeah and thinking that through and and thinking creatively yeah, and that's, I wish I would have had this conversation with you 11 years ago when we started Ample Media, because at that time, we didn't have any retainer based. It was all project to project. And so it was extremely difficult to uh, scale the business because we didn't have any certainty there in terms of what the cash flow was going to look like. So to hire that additional body was really, really difficult because you didn't have anything really solid to hang your hat on knowing that you were going to have revenue, you know, next month or the month after that or whatever. You couldn't project things out very well, except for, you know, really just looking at past performance and hope that <laughs> there's going to be more projects coming in. So, so yeah, that, that, that would have been really great for us because we finally did that. Probably it took us five years or so um into our business before before i was like this is just insanity i can't continue to do this and we started to work in then the retainer base yeah yeah and it's it's really critical to think that in almost all cases there is an opportunity for give and take so you know yeah. as the business owner you going to retainer gives you certainty of cash flow um committed clients and the various other pluses right and reduced risk but your clients often i don't know the details of how you've set it up but most people have retainers and commitments you know you have a lower price point yep. for for that commitment you also are less likely to clock watch and and um charge for every single second or hour there's a bit more uh more volatility and you're willing to invest and and not you know get all grindy with the clock and the hours and so all of that is um, of a benefit to the client and then also that for a lot of growth businesses just knowing the exact amount that they need to pay each month is is a massive opportunity for them i mean yeah. god knows i'd like a lawyer on a retainer because every time i open the envelope i'm like well it's not an envelope anymore but you open an email with an invoice from a lawyer and you're like this could be any number who knows <laughs> yeah. and so even paying more and knowing that it's consistent makes a big difference so yeah there's lots of give and take and and almost always when you need to reduce a risk there's something you can give in order to reduce your risk or increase your certainty or what you and so be creative up front um don't just do it the way that everyone else did it or or the way that you know the enterprise corporation that you came from did it because their overhead and their business realities are not 
the same as what you're going to face as an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, I, very, very good points. I, I'm curious uh, with your retainer. Do you mind sharing a little bit as to how you structure that? Is it kind of a, a bucket of hours that they get every month, or is and you kind of do whatever, or do you more kind of almost package it into, you know, a product almost where um, that you don't get into that discussion of, of how many hours, but it's, these are the tasks that we will do each and every month for you for X number of dollars. Yeah, it's a little bit from column A and column B, to be honest. So with our finance leader, when we're fractional CFO or fractional controller or the entire accounting department, we base it on days per month or days per week. And so we sit up based on factors that we understand of their growth ambitions and their strategy, their team size, their revenue size, their complexity of business, and we make a recommendation. The first quarter of the annual contract that they sign, we invest up to double the scope. So if you sign up for a day, we'll be giving you up to two days, but the difference and the extra is for learning and relationships, not not grinding out deliverables, right? Yeah. And then after the first quarter, when we've you know set a more specific priority listing that's aligned with your strategy and gotten to know you and your business and what you need from a financial strategy perspective, then we'll uh, validate the scope and the timeline it'll take for us to get the priorities done. And then from there, we assess each quarter. So if it's a day a week and you're in the middle of year end, well, obviously that day is either going to be a 10 hour day or leak into two days a week for something as critical as a year end. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's expected. But if it balances out and it's predicted to balance out, you wouldn't be getting a bill from us. But if we're consistently spending two days a week and you only pay for a week, the conversation is, hey, the last quarter, we've pretty consistently been two days a week. There's nothing indicating that was a one-off. Yeah. Your growth is awesome, and that's what it's going to take. So now we need to move to a two-day-a-week scope. And if you're not comfortable with that, we need to figure out how we dial back to what you're paying for. Yeah. But we usually give it for a quarter before we ask for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so is that then coming along with a annual commitment, a quarterly commitment, or what kind of commitment? Annual annual commitment yeah annual. yeah okay obviously there's uh, there's terms and conditions you know for a notice period if uh yep. if you were to need to get out before the year but when we sign up with clients based on their growth and where they're at as a business it's an annual commitment and contract we hope to be with them for three to five years and then they'll outgrow us because they'll be ready to move off fractional and into a full-time employee situation because of their revenue and their um and their execution of their strategy. So yeah. our hope is to be there three to five years, but the contractual commitment is a year. Okay. Well, and I think this is a good time to transition into learning a little bit more about what it is that you do, because we're throwing around some terms around fractional CFO and so yeah. on. Uh, but uh, yeah, boil down the essence of what your business does and uh, what problems you're trying to solve or help other businesses with. Absolutely. So Amplify helps growth businesses with their financial strategy. And, you know, we're big believers in enhancing communities, amplifying opportunities and cultivating connections. And we do that largely by helping these growth businesses, which are the small, medium businesses that employ all of Canada and really all of North America. Yeah. So the top employer of which has had little to no access to appropriate help when it comes to financial strategy. So we believe yeah. 
that what we do helps you be financially healthy, which makes you a better employer, as well as uh, achieve your strategy, your purpose, and, and be a community member. So it's an exciting place to work at Amplify because it feels like you're making a difference. And the three departments that we have to solve that financial strategy opportunity is we have Amplify Tech. So we're an Oracle NetSuite solutions provider. So NetSuite is a cloud ERP. That's a financial system and an enterprise system for businesses ready to scale. So if they're at the point where QuickBooks and Zero is resulting in too much spreadsheet analysis, that would be the trigger to go to an ERP and NetSuite should be considered in almost every case because it's an amazing system. We have recruiting where we place CPAs in permanent and temporary roles. And we certainly are focused on those growth businesses, but in that department, we're able to serve some of the biggest businesses in, in uh, Calgary, as well as uh, across Canada. So all size businesses can be served because we have really great CPA candidates that are diverse in their experience and, and their career ambitions. And then the one that we were alluding to in our previous conversation is our finance leader service line. And so we have CFOs, fractional controllers, accounting services, financial leadership, where we're helping those growth businesses. And so the CFOs that I have, if you were to put them on your payroll, would be north of 200000 a year. And so a lot of our clients aren't quite ready for that type of full-time equivalent investment. And, um, and, they, and they're just too small or, or they can't afford it or it's just too big of a risk or investment that they're not ready to make. So we're able to give them that level of executive that truly knows how to scale a business, grow a business and, and turn a business into a profitable one. Um, and they can get that person and access to that level of financial strategy assistance at a, at a price point and a time point that they can afford. So fractional CFOs and then similar for controllers, but half the clients that we work with were the whole accounting and finance department. And so the entire, function of accounting and finance is outsourced to us. And then the other half, it's a leadership role. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Like you guys are doing a lot over there then. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, I mean, we're solving financial strategy at a people process and technology perspective and, um, and making sure that businesses are able to be profitable. And a lot of clients that we work with have amazing people, amazing strategy, amazing success they're not yet profitable and they're often not bankable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is the thing that I love about what you're doing and that's our focus as well uh, too. And so very much aligned there in the services that we provide, we're trying to help those companies achieve the growth that they really desire and aspire to, but also in a way deserve, right? They have got a great product, a great service. They are doing something that has value, uh, but there's things that are that they're struggling with. And so our end of it, we're trying to get them more customers, um, which is the lifeblood of the of the business. But if they're not managing the cost side, the financial side, the and figuring out how to, you know, uh, handle the, the cash flow and, and that whole dance that goes on there. Uh, that doesn't matter how many customers they get if they're not growing and, and responsibly and using the financial tools and, and expertise properly as well. And so um, I see our two companies actually on both sides, you know, just like very much doing the same thing in terms of like the end result we're striving for for our clients, but approaching it from two different sides of the coin, which is really, really neat. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey then. So um, I think at the outset, I was saying that you've been in business for five years and, and that's when you jump into entrepreneurship yourself. And so tell me a little bit about um, that. I, I'm curious because you said before we hit the record button that you were working for, you know, the, one of the big, the big companies out there on the financial services side of things. And so uh, to, to leave that and jump into entrepreneurship, what was the motivation there? Why did you want to do that? So both my business partner and I were at a big four firm and that's where we met and that's where we left. And prior to making that big leap, uh, I had worked at another big four firm and been in finance leader roles and, and same with Jesse, my co-founder. So that's kind of our quick background. And it's funny because the other day I was at an event and, uh, you know, it always seems like five, like almost five years later that it's, you know, an overnight success and an obvious thing. But, you know, when you leave, a good career and a good job and, and a lot of opportunity at a stable employer, that's not a small thing as we can all appreciate. And uh, it was cute because my husband and I were at an event and this, this guy asked my husband, you know, how did you feel when she decided when she came home and told you she was quitting her good job and her good career? Uh, like, what did you, how did you feel about betting on that? And putting your guys' household uh, income on the line. And and he was sweet enough to say, well, if you've met her, then it's not much of a bet. <laughs> but I can tell you that as cute as that was as a husband comment, uh, not what he was saying at the time, because <laughs> it was kind of crazy. It was crazy to leave a good paying job and a good opportunity for this, but not one I've ever looked back and regretted. And ultimately it goes back to what I was speaking of in terms of Amplify's purpose. And we just saw this, you know, clearly small, medium businesses, that's the majority of the businesses. It's the, it's employees, the majority of employees, you know, it's no small thing. And yet it was the overhead of the big four and the core competencies of the big four was not set up to serve that yeah. entire population of businesses. And then you'd see these uh, solopreneurs, like individuals that would serve them as individual practitioners. And a lot of them would do a good job, but they had never, they weren't trained at a sophisticated level. So the companies would outgrow their abilities very quickly. And then some of the little firms, you know, they're, they're very focused on compliance and tax. They don't have the ability to provide advisory or anything that relates truly to financial strategy, which tax is a component of that, but a very, very small component of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a problem that nobody was willing to tackle. And just, it just felt like a passionate opportunity for us. And we, and we believed that we could do a good job. And thankfully, uh, thankfully that gamble paid yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. Okay. So if, if I could uh, dig in a little bit into the, the things that you've learned over the last five years, because I also tease that you have experienced a lot of growth. And so you went from you, you and your partner. So the two co-founders uh, at the beginning up to now you're 40 people uh, permanent. And then you've got some contractors and freelancers that are also working with you. So uh, that's a substantial growth over a five-year period because you started it in, uh, in 2018, right? So, so in five years, that growth comes oftentimes with a little bit of strain and stress. Some things break along the way. 
Can you tell us a little bit or share some stories of, of maybe some of those things that broke or strained uh, you as you were developing uh, the business and, and growing it to the size that it is today? Absolutely. And I think what we see with our clients is not at all different than what we've experienced ourselves. Yeah. You hit, there's that moment at a kind of a million dollar revenue where things change and what you were doing to get there isn't enough to get keep growing past it right and then you hit another point when you hit five million in revenue all of a sudden it's like okay what we were doing to get to five million isn't sufficient to keep growing to pass that next one and i and you know i anticipate that these markers will keep happening just like they happen with our clients right and so it's always interesting because you can't ever get complacent or um or think that you figured it out because you never have. And I think at the core of why you can never truly figure it out is because a business is made of its people. And this is what we see with our clients. And this is what we see with Amplify. And people are constantly growing and evolving and they're complex. So, you know, any business leader who thinks they have it all figured out, that is just ridiculous because you can never figure out people entirely. You can get better and better and better, but you're never going to, hit perfection right and so certainly for us um our biggest growing pains have been in relation to leadership and people but at the same time we're a people business so i would hate to paint that as a problem area because it's absolutely at the core of every success we have as well is the employee experience we've offered the people we've recruited the people that deliver client experience to our clients that's at the core of our success but it but there's also been learning points in terms of how to set up the employee experience, how to uh, how to figure out leadership. That's been at the core of, of the pain points and some of the surprises, big surprises. In some yeah. So, so speaking of that, then, how are you approaching that leadership development piece within your business? Because, you know, a 40 person team requires a totally different structure, infrastructure, uh, set up people in leadership roles than what a five or 10 person firm does, right? So how do you guys approach that or how have you tackled it, I guess? Yeah, so I mean, a couple of things. Um, we made the big leap and a lot of entrepreneurs fail to ever make this leap. And that's the decision that they're making at the sacrifice of their growth, in, in my opinion. We made the decision to work on the business instead of in the business. So neither Jesse or I are actively on clients on a long-term basis anymore. I haven't been on a client since December, 2021, and he he's dabbled a bit more because of him being in a new service line, but by and large, he's not assigned a specific role on any clients since about March, 2021. And so when you make the decision as founders to not be chargeable, as we call it in professional services or billable or what have you, you're no longer generating the revenue. That's, that's a big deal. And I could go on and on about like the level up plan I had to come up with even to psychologically figure out how I had value if I didn't have clients. Um, so that's one thing that we did. And our growth has been massive since making that decision, but it was a major risk, major, major risk. Um, the other thing is, you know, we've learned in the hard way and we haven't figured it out yet, just picking leaders and, and how to, and how to get leadership and an executive team. And, you know, we made some big mistakes in terms of pulling and pushing people into leadership that, 
were very capable of being leaders, but as it turns out, had no desire to be leaders. And um, neither Jess or I realized that was a thing, <laughs> which in hindsight is pretty stupid. But we didn't ask them if they wanted to be leaders. We just pushed them and pulled them and promoted them. And then we found out that they actually liked executing. They liked being operators. They had certain uh, family expectations or obligations where they didn't want the stress of strategy and people because they felt that they would carry that home and it would interrupt their ability to be the parent or the husband or wife or what have you uh, that they that they wanted for themselves. And so that was hard. We lost a couple critical people because because of that. And had we not push or pull them into leadership, I, I can't say for certain if they'd still be here because I think there's some culture fit issues um, as well that um, that amplified their decision to leave. But they were great people and they certainly would have lasted longer. And, and in hindsight, we definitely made mistakes. Yeah. Um, we also, this one's more classic, but we, we've also given people titles and given them leadership jobs because they were hungry and ambitious. And we felt that we could uh, make a bet on them, but they weren't ready. And it wasn't fair to them because they couldn't meet expectations. And then that in the long run didn't work out either. Yeah. So, you know, we're still learning. I'd say right now what we're doing, which is showing early signs of success, but ask me in a year or two if it's actually success because it's not far enough long. Uh, we're doing more of a drip approach. And so I, I've been speaking about this, you know, I'm not a patient person. So this approach is not authentic to me at all. <laughs> but being a little bit more careful about, you know, giving projects or responsibilities kind of one at a time and giving them an opportunity to learn and grow and develop and then giving the next one and then giving the next one. And I think, you know, there's the saying that in order to go fast, you need to go slow when it comes to yeah. people. And so far, again, ask me in a year or two, cause I'm not, I'm not claiming to know it all in this at all. It's still an experiment, but so far this approach of slowing down in order to speed up, is paying off like we're seeing results and we're seeing them quicker and we're seeing trust and we're seeing comfort and we're seeing development that we didn't in those other yeah. cases so i'm very optimistic that we've learned our lesson and that we're figuring it yeah, out yeah and it's it's really interesting you say like that that is just not something that is authentically you like you you're much more uh, go fast, I think. And that's very similar, I think, to a lot of the people who are listening, you know, as entrepreneurs, um, we move typically fairly fast. We uh, handle change. In, in some cases, we thrive with lots of change, right? And we always have to remember, I think, that not everybody is hardwired the same way that we are. And so, uh, yeah, that's a really good learning. I, as you were navigating and, and found this drip approach that you're trying now, is that something that you, um, you know, you, you read a book about or, or got some coaching on or, or where did this come from? Yeah, I think, I mean, we were big readers, Jesse and I. So we're, I love the saying that not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Mm. We really, really believe that. So we have a book club within Amplify. It's optional, obviously. Um, and Jesse and I are constantly reading. So this particular one, I can't even quote which book we would have got it from. I think it's a cherry pick situation because we do often develop our methodologies and our process yeah. based on cherry picking from lots of reading 
And, uh, and we do have coaches. So I have a coach and a forum. Jesse has a forum um, that has coaching involved. And then we have, a, we have a founders coach that coaches the two of us together. So, you know, we're a high maintenance group here. <laughs> Needing all the help we can get. <laughs> uh, it, it's so important, you know, constant learning. And I've never heard that phrase, leaders are readers. And, and I, I love it. I think that's a really good, good mantra for, for all of us to really adopt because it is, uh, you have to be constantly learning your craft as because the craft changes, but then also we're learning how to be leaders ourselves. We're learning how to manage difficult situations and the conflicts that come with that. We're trying to figure out, you know, client interactions and like, there's just so much that we have to know as founders as uh, of these companies, of these growing companies. So, okay. So I'm curious now that you've reached, you know, 40 people, uh, permanent plus the, the others, um, what, what are the, the longer term goals for you? Because you're focused on helping other businesses grow. I imagine you're not taking your foot off the gas. Um, what are the goals over the next couple of years? And what do you think will be the biggest challenges that you're going to face to achieve those uh, goals that you have? Yeah, so you're right. We're not taking the foot off the gas. We're excited and um, just trying to slow ourselves down so that we're at a good pace that's comfortable for our whole team and for the market. Um, right now, our focus when it comes to growth is Amplified Tech. So our Oracle NetSuite Solutions Provider department is new. And so we're still working out some of the business model and the team and, and the aspects there. So as I was talking about earlier with that MVP minimum viable product, we're not out of that when it comes to Amplified Tech. So we're excited to see that be a scalable and profitable department within the next okay. year. And then once that is set up and, and feeling good, then the next launch is into other cities in a more strategic way. So we have clients all the way from Toronto to Vancouver and a lot of clients throughout that area, lots and lots throughout Alberta, especially. Uh, but we are basically a Calgary business by and large, and we do integrate and match culture. So while we have clients everywhere, those are either remote, hybrid or or multi-region clients. But the reality is we want to we want to match culture. So if, if they are in person or hybrid, we want to be the same as the other executives. I always say the CFO is not the most popular executive, so they shouldn't be the only one calling in. <laughs> if everyone else is sitting around chit-chatting and shooting the shit, we can't be the one on the phone. That doesn't work. <laughs> so it's important for us to be there. And so we are going to be in other cities and in a real way. So we're, we had a soft launch into BC, opportunistic hire, and um, I would anticipate the next city we go to is Edmonton, but that's a about 18 to 24 months away at this yeah. point. When I, when you ask about what the challenges are going to be, the challenges absolutely will be that we are still a referral-based business. 95% uh, of our revenue comes from yeah. referrals and 60% of that comes from CPAs and, and about 40% from CPA firms. Mm -hmm. And so that, that network that refers to us has been something that we've been you know, we're grateful and we're generous to here at Amplify. We've been building and building within Amplify, but it is also a network that is, has been grown and built up over the course of my career, Jesse's career, and then all of the amazing Epic team members that we have. And so to, to put that into another city is a yeah. challenge. And we haven't had a very, 
good new eyeball strategy when it comes to marketing. Um, our marketing strategy is awareness. And so it's marketing and reminding people we exist that already have yeah. met us and have already heard of us. So that new eyeball marketing strategy, as well as building up that network for referrals, it's going to be a really fun and very, very difficult yeah, couple years. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, and it's one of those things that uh, the referral aspect of your business, uh, being as substantial as what it is, I mean, that is unusual, I would say, for, you know, as an average across uh, service-based businesses to be quite that high. I, uh, most service-based businesses have a big book of referral business that comes in. But I mean, that's a testament to what it is that that you're doing. I mean, obviously, uh, you're impressing other people with what it is that you're able to do for the businesses that you're working with. And that is just amazing. And that's really where uh, it sounds like you reach that stage much earlier than most companies do. And that there's this uh, five-year valley of death that a lot of people talk about with startups, right? Is if you can get through the first five years, you have a much greater chance of surviving because I think it's 90% of businesses fail in the first five. And so the reason I think that there's a lot of failure there is that they it takes five years to get that recurring uh, uh, referral type business coming in. And, and so that seems to be the magic number for that. So if for people to beat that, uh, they're doing some exceptional work. So congratulations to you and your firm for doing that. That's really great. Yeah, I appreciate it. There's no question that our team members take client experience yeah. seriously and every new opportunity we have is really at the foundation those amazing people that we yeah. have on board. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, the things that you've maybe learned or some of the hard lessons, the hard days, the hard moments that you've had to go through over the last five years, and I know, you know, every entrepreneur has them. If you could write a letter back to your younger entrepreneurial self, so so say it's Jamie from 2018, as you're leaving your safe employment, you're stepping into this business, this new business, what would you put in that letter to yourself? What would you tell yourself? I think, I mean, if I was to write a letter to that version of me, I would definitely tell myself that it was worth it and that it was going to be a journey. I would definitely remind myself how cool leadership is and, and you know, how important it would be for Jesse and I to have succession planning and have people planning and, and to never consider time and effort that we put into the employee experience that um, an investment not worth making because it, it always is and it always has been. And I think that you need that reassurance sometimes when you're having difficult days because you're like, you know, we, we provide all this, we give all this and, and no one cares anyways, you know, when you have a bad day. And the reality is those bad days are, you know, a small percentage of the reality and, and that people do step up and they're willing to believe in your purpose and deliver the client experience you want because you've made those efforts and put that time and money and resources towards the employee experience. So I want to remind myself of that early on <laughs> because I remember one of the hardest decisions, you know, you make as, as employers is, is becoming an employer, right? And, and taking the leap towards putting people on payroll that's a hard thing and it's one that pays off and is worth it and i'd want myself to know that probably earlier on um 
you know, I, I would give myself the same advice I mentioned at the beginning, that minimum viable product, that sales uh, component of the role and that optimization. I think those would be critical reminders. And I think, you know, I'd all make sure that I reminded myself that we set our values early. I mean, because Jesse and I are consultants, right? So we've built Amplify the way that we told people to build yeah. businesses, <laughs> which has actually paid off. It turns out that all that stuff is real. <laughs> and so, you know, we set our values and we've, uh, we've stuck to them and we've been obsessed with them. And that has been critical. We set our North Star of client experience and we've again been obsessed with it and been teaching it and and repeating it constantly and that has been valuable and you know there's times in the early days when it feels like you're playing house like when you have your values set at the level of depth that Jesse and I had and there's just you and Jesse it feels like it feels like you're a little kid in a treehouse like oh you be mom and I'll be dad like it's ridiculous right and uh there was times where it felt so silly but uh, it's so good that we spent that time then because trying to do it later means you've already hired the wrong people or you've already um, created the wrong services or products, right? And so I think it's so important that we did it and I'm so happy that we did. And, and I think uh, I want to reinforce and validate some of the decisions we made as well as warn myself of, uh, of the hard parts yep. of the journey. I wouldn't, I wouldn't warn myself about COVID or the pandemic then if I read the letter, I wouldn't probably have had the, had the courage to jump. <laughs> so no warning about that. She doesn't get to learn about that. Yeah. Well, that's something that was, uh, would be pretty hard to actually believe actually too, right? That something like that was actually around the corner. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing all the, your advice and your thoughts and, and, and just the learnings that you've had along the way. Uh, if there are people who are listening to this episode who find themselves in a position and want to reach out to you because they are f struggling with their growth and from the financial uh, end of things, what's the best way for them to connect with you? So our website is uh, amplifiedvisors.ca and that would be the best place to start. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm under Jamie L. Smith CPA. And so you can find me on LinkedIn as well as Amplify on LinkedIn and then our website. Those are the best places to look for us for sure. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for that. And for those of you who are listening today and you really like this episode and want to hear some other entrepreneurial stories, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find our archive. And of course, if you listen to podcasts and you want to check us out there, uh, just search Amplify Your Business on your favorite podcasting platform and you will find us. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. And thank you once again, Jamie. I really appreciate your time.